Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The NFL season may be over, but that doesn't mean you have to stop betting. There's plenty to wager on over at betonline.ag, including their $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest. You only need $10 to enter, but be sure to do so before March 19th. You can also bet on the NBA, the NHL, my personal favorite, NFL draft props, and so much more. Head on over to betonline.ag today and put your sports knowledge to the test. TDM Fantasy. The TDM Fantasy Podcast. Podcast. With your hosts Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome in to a special edition of the TDN Fantasy Podcast, a little bit of an emergency edition. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner, the duo, the dynamic duo back again. We thought, listen, a lot of stuff has happened. Why wait until Wednesday's show to lump it all into what would end up being a three-and-a-half-hour show at that point? We'll break it up for you so you get a little special Tuesday edition of the show. And, and Jamie, we had a lot of stuff happen when we were recording the Monday edition of the show. But even after we recorded the Monday edition of the show, there was stuff to get into, plus the stuff that happened today. Where would you like to start? Do you want to go in chronological order, or do you want to just go with some of the things that are the bigger names on the list? I'll let you decide, Chris. I know you're itching to talk about oh, well. the guy that the, that your New York Jets yeah, made a signing with a little bit after we recorded, and the guy that I thought was going to sign later because he was going to be a secondary option. So I can eat crow at the very top of this podcast because I thought he would not be the first of these big-name receivers to go. And as we're sitting here, Kenny Galladay doesn't have a team. Juju Smith-Schuster doesn't have a team. Will Fuller doesn't have a team. But you know what's team? Technically, he doesn't have a team. Corey Davis has Corey a team, Davis Jamie, and it's the New team. York football Jets. He will be playing for the New York Jets. Signs a three-year, $37.5 million deal. And, and Jamie, I look at this. Corey Davis, at least as of this juncture, is the wide receiver one in New Correct. York. I put him above Jamison Crowder on the on depth chart here. We still don't know if Crowder will be there next year. He's still under contract, but they can cut him. I think, you know, uh, yeah, they, relative- they could, basically, I think they could save his entire cap hit. If yes. They want to, if they, they also to, might not need to. With the way that they're, they've been able to uh, move the cap around, they're in a really good spot. So, oh, and also, by the way, if they do put themselves in a situation where they do not move on from Sam Darnold, I know, I know, cover yours, Chris, you don't want to hear this, but if that is a scenario that happens, you can't move on from Jameson Crowder. It's his favorite receiver. Yes, he gets, what, 25% of uh, Sam Darnold's targets when he's out there playing. So I'll, ha- I'll have to redo it, but going into last year, it was it was right around, it was like 24.8. It was something ridiculous uh, of Sam Darnold's targets uh, went to Jamison Crowder. And look, he'll play in the slot for you. You've got Denzel Mims on one side. You've got now Corey Davis on the other side. And the big thing to me is going to be, can Corey Davis prove that this wasn't just one of those stereotypical contract year big performances? Sure. Did the light actually go on from him? We know he's unbelievably talented. He was a former top five pick out of Western Michigan. Everybody knows what the Titans got got in him when they were drafting him. There's a lot of up and downs there. He showed some flashes in 2018, but he didn't have a lot of sustained success until last season. You know, but last year he was pretty darn good for long stretches. I know the very, very end of the season was going to leave like a bitter taste in a lot of people's mouths because he kind of really fell off t- during that fantasy playoff time. Right, kind of when everybody started to really buy into him, he had some like tough performances. Like he had that that uh, that nothing burger against the Bears, I think, midseason. Right as he was starting to become like a hot pickup, um, yep. and then he also had like late in the season where he was didn't have all these great performances. But what I will say for him, and I'm trying to find all these stats that I, that I had listed for him. I'm trying to see where. 
Yeah, so I see where I ended up writing it because I've been writing so many things. You've been um, a little busy the these last, last days. few days, and yeah, I don't know. A little busy. I'll find this. Might actually okay. It's actually is a Corey Davis separate article because some some of these guys I've written separate articles on. Some of them have kind of lumped together in like a winners and losers. Which, by the way, I'm already uh, writing the winners and losers for day two. So keep an eye out for that on the DraftNetwork.com. It'll definitely be up by the time this posts. Uh, but some really interesting facts about him from a fantasy perspective last year. Of if you saw where he ended up finishing, he finished tied with DJ Moore for an average of 14 fantasy points per game at wide receiver 25. But the big part and the big reason why we liked him a lot in the middle of the season was his consistency. He scored mm-hmm. double digits in 10 of his 14 games and at least 15 and a half fantasy points in six of those 10 games. So you were getting wide receiver two value from him for the majority of the year. The question is going to be who's throwing him the ball in New York. Is it Sam Darnold? Is it Justin Fields? Is it Zach Wilson? Uh, you know, w- what the situation looks like there. But to me, you know, he's somebody that I think I'm willing to put in the top 40 wide receivers still. But I think he's a, he's a fringe wide receiver three guy for me until I kind of know how the situation plays out. I, I don't know if he's going to – if you're going to have to pay top 25 value to get him, which I don't think you are, I would pass. We need to get into that like 35 range before I start to consider him just because we haven't had a long history of him having this sustained success for fantasy. And that's fair. And I agree 100%. I also think the scheme is a really good fit for him, right? I yes. think he's going to be able to have a really nice role here uh, in this LaFleur offense that is going to be run uh, whoever is playing quarterback for the New York Jets next season. So, uh, yeah, I think this is this is really good. I think, I think what this does for me, Jamie, is it solidifies – I felt really good about Corey Davis for a long time, fantasy-wise. I've been, you know, driving the Corey Davis bandwagon. He finally showed up in year four of his career. He gets paid for it, and I think this fit with the, with the ability that he's going to have in this offense, I think solidifies where I feel about him. I don't think it moves him up, but I think it solidifies where I have him. The interesting case with Corey Davis is a lot of times when you see these like come out of nowhere deals, it's for guys you didn't expect. Mm-hmm. So there's part of you that goes, you know, this wasn't a highly recruited player or wasn't highly taken with draft capital, wasn't highly thought of, but something happened and they clicked. Yeah. Corey Davis was all player. of the things except for the clicking part. Like yeah. it was up until last year was everyone's like, okay, no, this is going to be the Corey Davis breakout year. No, 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 yep. no, no. This is going to be the Corey Davis breakout year. And then it finally happened this past year. Uh, I'm incredibly intrigued. I think he, he at times was the number one in Tennessee last year, just because mm-hmm. of the way that he was used. A.J. Brown's obviously an elite talent, and you would obviously rather have A.J. Brown if you had to pick one versus the other. But in the way they were relied upon at times, and for large portions of games last year, Corey Davis serves as the number one wide receiver for Ryan Tanhill and company. The other factor here is the Jets are going to throw more than Tennessee did. I know they didn't do much more. I think there was only one pass per game more last year. Yeah, the Jets uh, don't have Derrick Henry in the backfield. To but but LaFleur's offense is, in the time in San Francisco, was throwing the ball, I believe, an average of 35-plus times per game. Like, of the last four years, it was 37.9, 33.2, 28.2, 35.6 were the last four years in terms of pass attempts per game uh, with LaFleur as the either the passing game coordinator slash wide receivers coach or just the passing game coordinator in San Francisco. So I expect there's going to be a little bit more opportunities for him as Tennessee always kind of went with a more efficient play action run based offense. Let's talk about what I think is the biggest storyline from day two. And I thought it was going to be Hunter Henry and we will get to Hunter Henry. Trust me, New England just adding wide receivers and pass catching options uh, like they're going out of style. But I want to talk about the new quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Good. Because I've been looking forward to this conversation because I think I'm on an island here and I want to rant about it. Oh, I, it depends on the what kind of island it is, but you may need to make some room. 
I would okay. first like to discuss Andy Dalton's future as a fantasy quarterback, and then I want to discuss the impact that this decision is going to have on one Allen Robinson, who was franchise tagged by the Bears, and we are waiting to see. He still hasn't signed that franchise tag. We still don't know if he will be a Bear next season. What what this quarterback situation does for him fantasy-wise? So I guess that's a two-pronged question here. For, it is. for yep. single quarterback leagues, Andy Dalton's not relevant. Uh, I don't think that's really a shock. That's not really breaking news to anybody. So we won't spend much time there. Uh, in two QB leagues or super flex league where every starter is owned, he is somebody that is in that middle to low or probably lower tier of the QB2 conversation. For Allen Robinson, I actually I think this is a good situation for him relative to what it was going to be. And I think this is this is the the crux of my argument. You can read about it in full at thedraftnetwork.com by the time you read this for my winners and losers column because I go into like a long diatribe about this. But the reality was is Bears fans and pundits from across the country talked themselves into a pipe dream and now are disappointed that an unrealistic scenario didn't play out and now they have to deal with the best of what they have. Now, the Bears deserve a lot of criticism for getting to this point with the quarterback situation. I am not as you've you listened to the show before, you know we are not complimentary of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace and the way this organization has been run, particularly from the quarterback finding standpoint over the last few years. They are not excused from that at any point. But if I have to close the window and look at the situation they were dealing with right now, Andy Dalton to me is a clear upgrade over Nick Foles. I agree. They were never going to get Russell Wilson this year. I agree. I'll, I will entertain this conversation a year from now because I do think they are players for him. Just not this year. It wasn't going to happen with Seattle. You know, Deshaun Watson has shown no indication he would waive his no-trade clause to go to Chicago. Okay? Also true. Ryan Fitzpatrick's now going to be the starting quarterback in Washington. Which I think is a great fit for Ryan Fitzpatrick. So what are your options now? Your options are going into the season with Nick Foles as your starter? Right, Jameis Winston, maybe, who they were trying to, they try, to go they after, he went, to, he went back to Oh, by to the way, if they signed Jameis, people would be making the same jokes. Don't pretend they weren't now, but they would have made the same jokes. We all know what was going to happen. Okay, so People were just waiting to tee up on, on the Bears here. And again, normally fair. I just don't think it's going to apply to this conversation. So maybe it was what, Mac Jones was going to be the best option in the draft? And I'm not even sure. convinced the way people talking about Mac Jones around the league, like he was going to make it to 20. And I don't think Mac Jones in year one is a better option than Andy Dalton in year one. I would agree. So, where were they going to go here? Andy Dalton was more than competent, particularly last year from week 10 on when he came back from the concussion, came back from the COVID list. I know he f fell flat on his face against Arizona and everybody saw it in that first game. Post that was a brutal game, brutal game. And then he ends up getting hurt partly through the second game. And he, look, he was horrible in those two games. But from week 10 on last year, he had some success. Over the final mm -hmm. seven games of the year, he completed two-thirds of his passes for 1,718 yards and a 15-3 to touchdown to interception ratio. He was fine. By the way, those numbers are better than Nick Foles's, and they were better than Foles's last year and better than his career averages. So to me is if you're dealing with a situation where I'm only looking at this from it's this or Nick Foles, this helps Allen Robinson a little bit. He's been dealing with terrible quarterback play. He's still been a wide receiver. He was a top 10 wide receiver last year. Ranks as the wide receiver 12 over the last two years combined. The quarterback play won't be worse than it has been. Can I, I understand can I share this is something? Not the, yes. Uh, Andy Dalton will be the best quarterback that's ever thrown the ball to Allen Robinson. There you go. There's a take for you. He might have been. Yeah. Did. I wonder if there's like some random weird person in the middle. But what's like Bortles, Foles, Trubisky? Is that the list? I mean, unless. Tyler like, Bray. I don't know. Yeah, okay. Like, that's what we're dealing with. Andy Dalton, who, you know, him and A.J. Green was a household connection on Sundays. You watched Cincinnati games to watch Andy Dalton throw it up to A.J. Green. Oh, by the way, the connection, that's a good point, Chris, the connection with Bill Lazor 
from his time in Cincinnati. So, like, oh, like, so th- this is this is a really good scenario for Allen Robinson. Now, mind you, I don't think Allen Robinson plays for the Bears next season. So, I think he does, but I think it's the last time. I think I think you go go get your take your franchise tag now, especially since the market looks very strange for the wide receiver market. Take your one year and then move on when there's going to be a new GM or what, new GM and coach there anyway. But to me, as again, I understand if you're disappointed if you're a Bears fan. I understand you're going to be distraught if you have talked yourself into that you were going to get Russell Wilson to play for your team this year. Because there's, there's is the chasm between Russell Wilson and Andy Dalton is massive. All right, well, nobody's that, I, I, denying yeah. that. I think that's the crux of the issue, right? Is that they, they never and there was that. well, there was the report from Schefter that came out. I, I would say maybe ten or fifteen minutes before we were recording the show, in which he said that the Bears made an aggressive pursuit of Russell Wilson, to which Seattle said we're not trading him, and then you pivot to Andy Dalton. I think that process bothers people more than the end result of Andy Dalton's our starting quarterback, right? And I think it's hard to separate the two, but I think there's a difference between the two. I think but the process of going for we're gonna we're going all in, we're gonna swing for the fences we're going for Russell Wilson we're going to explore the trade market too we're going to sign Andy Dalton to a one-year 10 million dollar deal is a bit of a weird pivot to make this quickly and I get that but what the you know what I'm not going to make you edit this Chris I know you have a busy day but what the (laughs) f are the Bears supposed to do well and and that's fair no if you want to criticize them to getting this point they absolutely deserve it and we have And, and I can't stress that enough I'm not saying that they've done a great job with the situation but if in dropped into today Mm-hmm. March 16th, 2021, mm-hmm. what were the alternatives? You take a shot at Russell Wilson, even though you know you weren't going to get him, uh, then what else were you going to do? Because to me, going into the season when Nick Foles is your starting quarterback was an untenable situation. I've said it on the show before. I will say it again. Nick Foles is bad. He's very Andy bad. Dalton yeah. is okay. That, I mean, I understand that. I, that's, But that's what it is. Like, uh, no, I I'm agree. Not trying, I I'm agree. not going to sit here and try to convince you that Andy Dalton is, is, is a great player and a great no. sign. This is a no. But I think it's an upgrade better. from their quarterback position a year it ago. It is. It's better than what they had. And I don't know what else you're supposed to do for the Bears. Because if the Bears didn't pursue Russell Wilson, then you're going to complain that they didn't pursue Russell. So what are they supposed to do? Again, you can criticize them for getting this point because they absolutely should be. But now that they're here and they have to make a decision one way or the other, Andy Dalton is a better starting quarterback for them in 2021 than any of the other options that were reasonably available to them on this date at this time. That, I mean, that's what it is. It's yeah. not great. No, and, but, and 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 again, it's because of all those decisions that led them up to this point that when you have to make that strong of a pivot, people get upset, right? And I think the pivot from we're going all in, we're going to try to trade for Russell Wilson, okay, they say no, we pivot to a one-year deal for Andy Dalton, is the result of all of the other poor decisions that led you to this point, right? And I think that's where Bears fans sit right now. Um, have the Patriots signed anybody else on offense since we started recording the show about 14 minutes ago? Probably not, but uh, okay. we we will see. Because Hunter Henry is now going to also be a member of the New England Patriots uh, next year. So that, for those of you playing the home version of our game, that puts them at four pass-catching options that they have added in the last two days. Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, Nelson Aguilar, and uh, Kendrick Bourne are the four names that are going to be joining Cam Newton in New England. You and I were talking in the back channels of the TDN Slack this morning that this feels ripe for this team to move up and try to get a quarterback like a Trey Lance or maybe even a Mac Jones to play quarterback next season with Cam uh, as the backup. But just from a fantasy perspective, Hunter Henry joins the mix there in New England. I'll be honest with you, Jamie. This feels like a really weird fit fantasy-wise. I'm worried about Hunter Henry in New England. It's kind of the worst-case scenario for him fantasy-wise. I get the real-life reasons why Bill Belichick and company are doing this. I understand what they want to operate with. Hunter Henry can be that kind of underneath tight end for them. Well, John Smith's more of the bigger play, 
run after the catch for a tight end type of a player, big red zone threat. I just to me this depresses both of both him and Johnu Smith's fantasy value. Uh, yep. I think I end up putting them they're in the both now in the tight end ten to like twelve ish range for me. I think they're both going to be in that spot. That's really as far as I can put them. Like I was I was all aboard though. Okay, Johnu Smith's a clear top ten tight end as we talked about on the show, and now I'm yeah. like, I'm not not so sure now. I'm not so sure now. Like you have to see he, how the, you have to see how the production. Where's Cam going to go to first? Right. And also, like, how how does Cam play this year? Which is the biggest question because last year he was horrible. Like, there's there's no other way around it. As a passer, he was horrible. I I don't think that's debatable. No. The question is going to be is with a full offseason in New England, with a better better group of weapons around him, further recovery time from COVID, all those together, do they produce a better version of Cam? And if they do, which is most likely, is how much better? That's going to be a key factor here as well. But I just think this this hurts both of their guys' value because this this is not – I mean, these guys aren't Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. I know that's the comparisons that are going to be made. They're not. They're not the, They're not them in their prime. Hunter Henry's been good, but he's been trending down since he's had the injuries in terms of overall talent. Maybe his production hasn't trended down, but his overall talent has a little bit. I, I understand what they're trying to do here. I just think now you've capped both of their upsides to the point where they're the guys you're taking flyers on if you wait on tight end rather than somebody that you're actually targeting in that middle group of tight ends behind the elite four. So if Corey Davis is a brand guy for me, and he is, is Damian Williams the brand guy for you, Jamie? Is that is that probably if it's okay. not well, it's Aaron Jones. Well, but right, I guess but Damian for, Williams is a close today. like a one like A 1A or one B scenario here. And he is not uh, going to be returning uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs. They release him. Now, we don't know where he is going to go yet. That's that's up in the air at the moment. But him not being in Kansas City, uh, Jamie, I think this impacts the fantasy value for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And also, you got to see where Damian Williams ends up. Yeah, so but let the, the news today is going to be for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We'll see where Damian Williams ends up playing. It'll probably be part of a committee somewhere. But this was the big thing kind of holding me back last year and even this offseason with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was – would he truly get the chance to be the lead back? Now, last year's draft price for Edwards Alaire was ridiculous. And we talked about it on the show and it proved to be the case. I mean, he had a good rookie season. He just didn't have the rookie season that was anywhere near what his ADP was. Uh, I'm optimistic about him this year. There are going to be less obstacles in his way. You know, when the Chiefs decided they were going to re-up Daryl Williams, it kind of made it obvious that, okay, well, Damien's going to be the odd man out in this backfield, and they'll go with Edwards Alaire and Daryl Williams and Darwin Thompson, and maybe they'll bring in somebody else that can also play on special teams and be a multifaceted player for them. But I'm interested to see how they use him because they very much used him with kid gloves at times. They opened him up in the first game of the season and then kind of reeled him back in and opened him up again then reeled him yeah. back in. Then he got hurt late. And it kind of like had this weird off season for him. He still finishes a top 20 running back uh, in average fantasy points per game, 19th in total points. So he still gave you a good season, but not quite mm-hmm. the season you were hoping for. To me, this kind of moves him. I, I move him up about a half a round from where okay. I had him in my way too early mock draft. So I think he's right in that conversation with J.K. Dobbins there. Um, in the third, like at the very first pick of the third round, very end of the second round in that like RB 15-ish range. That's kind of where I'd put him. That's as high as I feel comfortable taking him. I can't put him in RB1 territory yet because I'm still not convinced on how he's going to be used. Would I be mm-hmm. shocked if he finishes there? No. Uh, and will I, could my opinion change based on training camp or other things that happen? Sure. You know, but as of right now, I, 
I, you're, you're locked into whatever you say here on the show today. But right now, I, I think he's a borderline top 15 running back. But this this helps clear up some uncertainty. Well, Assuming and, and, he's still, still going and take another running back in like the second round or something. And here's the the spin that I'll add to it here. For, for those of you who enjoyed Dynasty Week on the show, shout out to the Dynasty owners here. Because I think if you were on the fence about using a protect or a keeper on a Clyde Edwards Hilaire because you didn't know how he was going to be used. I think this is this kind of maybe if you're sitting on the fence, this might nudge you in the direction of I'm going to keep Clyde Edwards Hilaire because they're kind of clearing the way for him, right? They're they're clearing out the space to hand him this opportunity. So if you were on the fence, if you hadn't already decided, this might nudge you uh, in that direction. Yeah, and, and I think for those types of leagues, those have to be like you're keeping them in a, in a keeper dynasty league unless it is. The only time I think you would have that conversation is if it's one of the leagues that I know you play in and we we play in, in different sports, mm-hmm. but the round matters. Where Yeah, where, where you draft so if, the guy, you, that, that pick gets removed in order to keep that guy. And yes, and I think that the is round where, one keeper is when that becomes in that question mark. I think yep. now, depending on your league, he probably has to be that player for you unless you finish really high. Like, and then, or really low, I should say. And, and then you're picking the at the top pick. and you can you can take one of the one of the backs, maybe an Etienne or an Najee Harris. Uh, okay, Jamie, I'm going to serve up this question to you here. Would you rather close the show? Because you're only allowed to talk about one. Sorry to the guy that Jamie doesn't pick. Do you want to talk about Marvin Jones or do you want to talk about John Ross? Well, let's talk about the guy that has fantasy value. All right, so we're talking about Marvin Jones. Got it. Yes, we are. Okay. Do you like this fit? Because I really like this. Yes. Fit. I think a rookie quarterback in Trevor Lawrence is going to go to a veteran receiver, and that could make Marvin Jones a really nice fit into this offense. I agree completely. He has familiarity with Daryl Bevel uh, from their from their brief time together in Detroit. Uh, I think this is a really solid signing for them because I, I think this is twofold for this for me because I think it's a good spot for Marvin Jones because I know everybody really wanted him to go to Los Angeles and go and go play with Matthew Stafford. But if he would have done that, it would have been like the wide receiver four. Well, he would have been wide receiver three. Like I don't think Van Jefferson is is. I love Van Jefferson, but I don't think he'd be starting and playing a lot over Marvin Jones yet. But he's going to be behind other guys. So. This opportunity for him gives him a chance to be that steady presence. DJ Chark is still going to be the over-the-top guy, but DJ Chark's not going to be a 8, 9, 10 target a game type of player. I think that Marvin Jones can be that spot for the Jaguars. LaVisca um, Chenault will have the Curtis Samuel role where they'll yep. use him in different, in different ways. So you do need a true secondary wide receiver option because I don't think they're going to always put Chanel out wide and try to throw him the football. So this is where I think a Marvin Jones is, is a huge, this is a huge upgrade to this Jacksonville offense. I, yes. I love this move. And I saw it, I was like, wow, I, I'm surprised I didn't put that fit together sooner. I really like this move. And it's a sneaky red zone threat too. Jar- Marvin Jones is really good inside the 10 there. Uh, you know, even like in 2019 with Bevel, he was a you know wide receiver too in terms of per game value. So I like this a lot. I like it a lot for Trevor Lawrence. I think his stock, it helps mm-hmm. him a lot more too. You know, now you're looking at an offense that has some, you know, some, they still need some work there, but they have another at, option. Yeah. You're looking at an offense that now has pass catchers like DJ Chark and LaVisca Chanel and Colin Johnson, Philip Dorsett, who they also signed today to go with along with Marvin Jones. You have James Robinson, Carlos Hyde in the backfield. They're starting to put, again, these, this isn't as good of a situation quite as what Joe Burrow walked to and walked into in Cincinnati in terms of pass catchers only. Well, yeah. AJ pass Green, catchers only. AJ Green, T Higgins, uh, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd, you know, yeah, he had a good so, group there. And and or Herbert in L.A., but yeah, it's good. Like yes. it's it it is solid. And I think and I think they're not done yet. They might not go out and get one of these major free agents, but I do think they're going to have 
another pass catcher, whether it's more a day two of the draft or one of these mid-level guys. They pick 33. They can pick a guy there. That's a prime spot for them to take a wide They could. I just don't know if they're going to spend that. Somebody would have to fall, I think. Uh, Well, yes. If somebody big fell to them at 33, I think they would would ultimately do that. Uh, Jamie, can we very quickly, because we're up against it here. I have to go and do another podcast right after this. Can we very quickly talk about how sitting here today on March 16th, I am uh, downgrading uh, Derek Carr's fantasy value because I don't know who's going to protect Derek Carr next season uh, on the Raiders offensive line. Yeah, I have absolutely no idea. They, what, so what they the released Rodney Hudson today, who is one of the best centers, if not the best center in the league. And this now makes it four of the starting offensive linemen for the Oakland Raiders, excuse me, Las Vegas Raiders. I'll put a dollar in the jar. They have cut or moved on from this offseason. Who, who, Derek Carr is going to die. And then they're going to blame it on him. And then it's going to be and his fault Mike Mayock. as to and why is, they went like 6-10 and 10 next year. Look, this is I've we go back and listen to the show. If you've been a long-time listener, you know how I feel about John Gruden. You know how I feel about the signing. I think it's all been smoke and mirrors. I said this before they hired him. I said it while they were hiring him. I will say it to this day. It's been all smoke and mirrors. All of this stuff has John Gruden's fingerprints written all over it. And look, the results haven't been there. They have spent a lot of money in free agency and have failed. They have taken huge draft swings and have failed. And look, my ultimately Mayock has to take some credit for it because he's his his name is the one that's on these picks. But I think from we have some very very good reason to believe that John Gruden is the one that is really pushing for some of these guys. And the reality is, one of these guys has a ten year, hundred million dollar contract; the other doesn't. And yeah, so Gruden's not going anywhere. But look, I. I and apparently the, the rumor the rumor and innuendo, as other podcasters on, on a different platform might say, is that there's there was some friction between Hudson and Gruden, uh, which is a big reason why that Hudson requested his release. And it basically said, you can keep my $3.5 million guarantee, just get me the hell out of here. And but they, now they have to completely rebuild an offensive line. And they, and they cost themselves $2 million in cap space. Yeah, cost himself two million dollars of cap space. So when they, and by the I, way, they I didn't they didn't have much after signing Ngakwe on Monday. So there wasn't a lot of room. So just from a fantasy perspective, like this concerns me for Derek Carr. Concerns yes. me for Josh Jacobs. Like I'm concerned about those two guys' fantasy value going into next season. I, I would be too. Uh and look, Josh Jacobs hasn't taken that next step yet for fantasy wise. He's been really good, but like, is he gonna push into that like no doubt RB1 territory? His job got a lot harder. Yeah, and Derek Carr's fan. Derek Carr was a very good streaming option at times for you last year, and I think that's where he's going to be again. But you know, who's he throwing the ball to? Yep. Yeah, like who's he throwing the ball to now? Like, right now, yeah, they're not giving up on rugs yet. But that's it. That's the only option. Clearly, had no plan to use rugs last year. Brian Edwards is a guy. Aguilar is gone. You've got Darren Waller, who's freaking amazing. But that's it. That's all you you got. Are you going to buy your quarterback enough time to be able to throw the ball? I don't know because you don't have a pass catching running back that's elite. With all due respect to Jalen Richard, he's fine. Josh Jacobs is is not going to be that primary pass catching back because I don't want him to be, and they're not they're not putting him in that position. And I'm not going to hear this again for the third off season in a row. They're going to put him in that spot because they haven't been. This is a bad. So where's he going with the ball? A bad fantasy day if you have any of the Las Vegas Raiders, or if you were thinking about drafting any of the Las Vegas Raiders on offense. It's, it's a bad, it's bad day for you. It's a bad not day for ideal. You. Uh, that's going to do it for us. I'm, I'm shocked, uh, in fact, that we went 26 minutes and didn't have anything major that impacted this show happen. Uh, there were some signings that did occur, but mainly on the defense side of the ball uh, that don't impact uh, what we do here on this show. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.